Loudspeaker Studios. Episode 3 of Talkin' Troma with your host, me, Zach Bynes. The show where me and a special guest take a look at a trauma movie, expand our brain meets by learning about it, and then pairing it with a non-trauma movie for a fantasy double feature. Today's episode, we're going to tackle a film from one, one, if not the most important person at trauma, Lloyd Kaufman. But first, let me introduce my special guest. You may have heard him tackle Hitchcock on his podcast, The Shamley Silhouette. You can hear him talk about the golden age of Hollywood on his new podcast, Yesteryear, Ballyhoo Review, and just movies in general on The Real Nerds Podcast. I'd like to welcome filmmaker Zach Eastman. Wow. This guy sounds like an utter asshole. <laughs> Who, you or me? <laughs> yeah, me. No, no, I guess this Zach fella, Zach Eastman fella, he sounds like a total piece of shit. No, no, no it's uh, going gonna, gonna to be great because, as I said on your podcast, I was on the Black Cat episode of your podcast. You need yep. two Zachs to make a good podcast. That so. is true. That is true. So, you, I mean, you, 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 you got the bare minimum requirement. <laughs> you couldn't go for anybody else <laughs> like any other Zachs we know. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'll tell you, it's, I'm honored to be asked to to be a part of this because uh, this the moment you pitched this idea, I was like, this sounds fucking fun. Like, I don't think I've heard of any trauma podcasts outside of like this idea being sprung on me. If there are other ones, I apologize, but clearly you're going to make the best one. So I I sure hope so. Um, but yeah, no, this is this is awesome, and also the movie you've selected for me today. Is, <laughs> Well, I thought of this movie actually because of the podcast you do. Um, mm-hmm. I I know you like, you did a deep dive in a Hitchcock. So mm-hmm. I thought it'd be pretty appropriate that that you tackle a, a early Kaufman movie. And also how you, in like yesteryear, and just knowing your taste in movies, that you like the old Hollywood comedies like Buster Keaton, Keystone yeah. Cops, that type of stuff. I, I was like, you got to be on a on an early Lloyd comedy episode where he touches on a lot of Buster Keatman and that type of influence in his the, stuff. The the, uh, the weird part of it is, is that when I first watched this movie, uh, when I was a little younger, it was for very different reasons. And now watching it from that lens, I was actually very surprised to see how much they were able to do within frame in this movie in terms of physical comedy. Cause there's, it's there's slapstick, but there's also just like the set pieces that go aboard on this is, is kind of, it's kind of like badass to watch this, to watch this little film that could in a, in a certain respect within the trauma sphere, like pull off some really fun comic timing in it. So like, it it's, it's pretty cool. I, I yeah, I, I'm glad that you thought of me for that because, uh, and and Hurley Hitchcock with it definitely because there's a lot of um there there's like a lot of stuff that Hitchcock ended up doing for women roles in film. Um, there's also obviously other issues that I've touched upon in my in my series on how you discuss Hitchcock, but um, uh, but for the most part though, like there's a lot of like strong female characters in his movies that you can draw from, and this one squeeze play watching it especially from a 2020 lens i was like wow this is like like all these 
all the, all the members of the Beaverettes are are very very capable of holding their own shit, and I I, I respect the hell out of it. Like <laughs> this is awesome. So you you said you watched this movie a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. mine, like tell tell me like what was your intro into trauma? Like what were some of your first trauma experiences? So it was technically this movie, and I'll tell you why because it's it's um you'll 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 probably understand this when I say it. So. When I was in high school, um, I was a huge Kevin Smith fan. Um, still am at my core. Um, and he started doing Smodcast around the time that I was in high school. And on one of the episodes, I still need to dig up which one this is, but they talk about squeeze play. And he was referring to it and like referencing it. And he was also talking about hots, hold on to sex. So they're talking about, you know, sex comedies of the era in there. And he specifically mentioned the theme song, squeeze play. Like, so that was that was something that stuck out of my head. I'm just like, I've never heard of these movies before. So I looked into them. I saw squeeze play. Um, I, I, tr- I can't remember how I tracked it down, but I did track it down. I watched it and I was like, Oh, this it's an early sex comedy. You know, something that clearly inspired Kevin Smith. But the first time I was aware of trauma was years later in film school. Like in my first two, first or second year of film school, I was um, hanging out with a cinematographer friend of mine. And at the time I smoked weed and drank. And, um, he introduced me to stuff like the room and MST3K. And one of the things he's like, have you ever seen the toxic Avenger? And I was like, no, what, what's that? <laughs> and like, and, and when I finally sat down and watched it, I'm like, okay, how did I not know about this? This seems like this has been permeating the culture. Um, but I sat down and watched it and I was like, Oh, this is, <laughs> this, this movie's out of its mind. I love it. <laughs> like, like this nerdy, this dweeby kid gets these superpowers and takes revenge on people. Like I was, I was balled over by the audaciousness of it. And then I, um, this came in conjunction with me becoming a John Waters fan. Um, I'm a, I'm, I'm one of those, uh, straight, <laughs> those straight cis John Waters fans that exist out there. Same here. I, <laughs> I actually just met John Waters for the first time last year. Oh, I went, did he sign your butthole? <laughs> <laughs> he, he gave it a little, a little wink and a wink and a kiss. No, I went oh. to uh, atomic books in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, if you, and if you want to write John Waters a fan letter, send it to Atomic Books and he'll get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went there. He's doing a book signing for his new book, Role Models. But I went all around Baltimore um, doing the John Waters um, just tour. Uh, funny enough, I also got introduced of John Waters through Troma because they're like, if it wasn't for um, Terror Firm or Cecil B. Demented would never get made. And I found that and, you know, lost forever into the john waters fear but i i found the alleyway where divine ate the dog shit and i bought a baby ruth and i took photos of me eating baby ruth and i you know went to divine's grave and all that good stuff i saw you post some of those photos on your instagram or one or your facebook one of the two i remember seeing that going like i'm fucking jealous of you like he's just because the thing about waters and and lloyd and trauma in general is that like the the thing i admire about it is the transgressive nature at which they are putting out this content. So like I was into Grindhouse stuff because I got, I saw the trailer for Grindhouse and I liked Quentin Tarantino and I was like, I'll watch more exploitation movies. This took it to another level because, because transgressive cinema is, is it can be a tricky proposition depending on who you're talking to. Obviously, you know, I I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or offend anybody like on a personal level. And it comes to film when I watch it, I'm like, okay, is the impact there 
are they getting across what they want to get across to me, whether it's shock value or, you know, sincere drama set in a music school or something. I don't know. Like think, think of any like typical genre that you've got. And what, what, what trauma does that I love is that it, it does two things. One is, is that it pushes limits, which I appreciate, but they never push limits to the point of like, like, oh my God, you can't go back from that taste. Cause there are some films that exist out in that sphere that are just, <laughs> unless you're blood sucking freaks. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but you, 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 yeah. I mean, like, and I've heard of that film. I haven't seen that one, but like, this is like, like, I, I like toxic Avenger is actually like, it's weird. Like toxic Avenger, like really pushes an interesting boundary. Like I, we just got the notice that they're going to reboot this sucker. And I'm like, are they going to like, touch into what's been going on with nerd culture well, it's, it's kind of funny so that it'll be interesting if and when that movie comes out and i say that because <laughs> they've been rebooting the toxic avenger for about a decade now at one point yeah. john travolta and arnold schwarzenegger were gonna star in it well um, that that would have been i'm not gonna lie that probably would have been garbage <laughs> <laughs> I, who who knows um the <laughs> They, it was going to be uh, that that uh, incarnation of it. It was going to be the director of Hot Tub Time Machine. Um, oh, okay, that would have been fun. Yeah. So it, it's gone through a lot, and uh, right now uh, we're talking about the the newest news is Peter Dinklage is, um, which I I think is perfect casting. <laughs> well, it, it's hard to say. So it's like they they said he's either going to be in it or he is going to be the Toxic Avenger. I've heard both. Um, and That's I've heard what I'm, both from Lloyd. <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm thinking of him as playing the Toxic Avenger because that would be an interesting route to go down, especially like when you consider the plot of the Toxic Avenger. I, we'll get off of this, I swear. But I just the idea of like you know, like a you know, person picked on or whatever, you know, gets these superpowers and. <laughs> And the first one definitely takes just takes flat out revenge on people, and like it, so that's why I'm wondering like how are they gonna touch into that or are they gonna completely rework it? Well, um, you never know. In Toxic Avenger Four, Hank the Angry Drunken Dwarf is God, so it's easy to believe that Peter Peter Dinklage could be a little Melvin Ford mopping up. Uh, it, it maybe like a CrossFit or something. Yeah. It, again, like there's like the possibilities are endless in terms of like if they're rebooting the concept, they feasibly could be doing like a Halloween or, I mean, recently Scream Five, which is now just Scream because marketing and uh, the like and just kind of combine elements and like follow it up with something. I think it'd be I think it'd be interesting to see if they tried to follow up after the the ones that are that currently exist in this sphere, but. Uh, again, we'll see. But yeah, I, when I saw the first Toxic Avenger, like I was, you know, I was drunk and stoned at the time. And, you know, he's hanging out with a bunch of friends watching this and just having a blast. I ended up going down a mini trauma hole, uh, rabbit hole after that um, with Death by, Te- Death by Temptation and some of their other like more offbeat ones. Um, I know I watched uh, Return, Return to Newcomb High, um, but I, but uh, and Mother's Day. Mother's Day was the one that I had heard about first and foremost because Darren Lynn Bowsman was remaking it and I never, I still have never seen the remake. I've got it sitting on my shelf right now that, um, cause Ryan, my co-host loaned it to me. I still haven't seen it, but that original mother's day is messed up. And <laughs> which I, it's, uh, written and directed by Lloyd's brother, Charles mm-hmm. Kaufman, yep, Charles who, Kaufman, who actually did a lot of stuff for, uh, 
for his, his name, play. His name <laughs> is all over this. I, I watched those credits beginning to end. I sometimes when it, when it, if a movie hasn't done well for me, like in terms of like going to the theater when we used to do that, um, and uh, uh, I'll, sometimes I'll go like, okay, I've watched enough of the credits. I'll leave. Like it's not to disrespect the artist. I'm just I want to go outside and you know hit my cigarette pen. But <laughs> um, and but like this one, I was just I was sitting in my chair and I'm just like, no, no, no. You watch every fucking frame of this movie. You watch every goddamn frame, Zach. You need to know <laughs> everything because there's some stuff in this film that I had that I definitely not remembered. And being older, watching it, I'm like, there's so much more to appreciate on this. So yeah. But yeah, so my my experience with trauma has primarily been the appreciation of transgressive cinema. Lloyd Kaufman is. What, he is one of the most progressive people I've ever heard of in my entire life at, at this point within the last, not within, I mean, within the last four years, a lot of shit has happened, but the, when I've seen Lloyd on Instagram and him getting banned, I think is fucking ridiculous. Um, but um, the, the amount of like stuff that he pushes boundaries on, I'm like, there's a lot of stuff here that like, yeah, this is what people are fighting for. He does it in a way that I don't know if I do, but, it's it's a way and i respect the hell out of that you know but he, and that even goes like like this movie was made in 1979 yeah uh, his new movie that is just now doing the festival circuit uh right now in 2020 hashtag shakespeare shitstorm mm-hmm. is you know tackling same you know big subjects like gender identity and uh big pharma pollution social justice warriors like cult cancel culture all that stuff you know that lloyd is that lloyd and the trauma team have been warning us about uh to not live out which 2020 has turned into lloyd has been telling us to watch out for that through all of his movies right um but yeah no like all this to say all this to say that lloyd is lloyd and what his company does and all the the other thing is is that his his films the films he puts out what trauma does is encourage young filmmakers. That is my big takeaway from it is that he encourages people to go out and make their own movie, make their own damn movie. <laughs> exactly. And now Kevin Smith does this too, as does Robert Rodriguez. Lloyd does it put, I, I feel like Lloyd puts it more into practice than others because he really does give a lot of people opportunities. Um, and um, from all that I've like seen of the library and how it's grown, I haven't watched even a, uh, a micro f- portion of it because there's so much um but you know like adam adam is a good example i watched that documentary on the on the dvd multiple times that is a way that you guys got inspired by lloyd to make your own movie and that documentary in turn can inspire other people like so it's a it's a nice gift of creativity that goes down the line um and um I don't know if this is true, but I read this in doing some research on Lloyd Kaufman. Apparently he's an Ernst Lubitsch fan. And that means he might be a Jack Benny fan, which that means Uncle Lloyd's good in my book. So he, Lloyd, so Lloyd, his big influences, I've talked to him about this uh, a couple of times and he talks about it in his book, All I Need to Know About Filmmaking. He got into movies. So he's really into Broadway musicals growing up um, and didn't really watch a lot of movies until he went to Yale. Um, and yeah. his roommate was a big movie nerd. And so they would watch all the classic comedies and you could definitely tell, I feel like in his earlier work more than his newer stuff, but you could still see hints of, of like the crazy, just buffoonery that would happen in like 1930s, 1940s cinema. He brings into his stuff. I absolutely agree. There's a lot of stuff there that like, 
and even it's and it's even stuff that like does it doesn't it's it doesn't hold up today not because it wasn't good when it came out it's more just like you know times evolve times change you know like comedy itself evolves um which is you know one of the things that i find interesting about squeeze play is that like you know for anything that might have not held up in terms of how a comedy is written and constructed like there's a lot that still works in terms of like dynamics and character play and the slapstick that's involved um well, I think we should uh, probably just get into squeeze play now. We've we've oh, yes. played enough. We've ruffled his balls and tickled his taint enough here. Wait, um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me tussle his hair a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're gonna go back before the Toxic Avenger. This is kind of this is the movie that kind of made trauma um, on the map as far as they're making movies as well as distributing them. I'm going to read um, what Lloyd says about squeeze play from his book. All I need to know about filmmaking. I learned from the toxic adventure, which I got a lot of info um, for this episode of the podcast from the book. There's a whole chapter about it. Um, and it's just a good book. Anyways, James, James Gunn wrote it. So um, all right. Al Corley stars in this saucy rollicking comedy about a woman's softball team. The film that broke it open for the trauma team. It was their first major financial success. Lloyd directed this wild battle of the sexes where the game between the men and the women heats up on a softball field. Lots of good looking babes, a godly amount of the old in and out, even a rocking wet t-shirt contest. The vastly inferior league of their own came out 15 years later. Jennifer Hedrick later went on to star in LA law television show. Don't miss the shock ending. Without further ado, here's the trailer for Samuel Weil, a.k.a. Lloyd Kaufman's 1979 Squeeze Play. Everyone's asking, what is a squeeze play? Let me make it simple for you. We have a man on first place. One on third. We have a second baseman here. A pitcher's here. Now, wait a minute. That's the... Just a moment. Let's start this thing. Boom, boom, boom. Ram a lamb. Ding, dong. Ram a lamb. Ding, ding, dong. Boom, boom, boom. When a guy takes his best gal out for a date after his big win on the softball field. Say, you're going to play softball. You're going to be cubs and you're going to leave me alone in the house just like this. Let me tell you something. I hate softball. What happens when a suave young mattress worker meets a sweet southern belle and takes her on a ride to love? What happens when the town's number one stud prepares for the biggest conquest of his career? What happens? Squeeze Play, the movie that everyone's calling the funniest film since Animal House and Meatball. Believe me, I've tried everything. Two mints in one, cling-free fabric softener, even a disposable douche when it comes to their softball. Nothing works. Look, what if a woman made the factory team? Made the beavers! I just like to play with you. Don't you like playing with me? Look, will you face it once and for all, softball is a man's game. So the girls decided to take matters in their own hands. <laughs> you forgot your kids, goodbye! You can keep us down for just so long and then we'll realize that after years of pain, 
compromise And it doesn't take intelligence to see through life Don't miss the fun Spring down beaverettes get into shape to play the world's number one sport Keep on turning and new mornings come Squeeze play The World Series of Laughs It's about courage Hey, has anyone seen my jock? Hey, I had to play the whole game without a gun My gonads are gone Wisdom Now your tits do the talking, sis Personal crisis Sophistication Wow Romance Next time, keep your damn hands in your pants But most of all, good clean sportsmanship. It's a story bigger than life itself, but personal and intimate enough to touch each of us. So come on in. Squeeze Play has something for everybody. country is doing. Get a date, get a hit, and go see Squeeze Play. Pick the winner. Have them all. Don't miss Squeeze Play. Coming soon. See it with someone you love. Samantha, I love you. Or see it with someone you want to love. Oh, Fred. A real woman! Squeeze Play. It's the World Series of Laughs. The New York Daily News calls Squeeze Play a saucy, spicy, rollicking comedy. Softball Power Magazine says, Squeeze Play is seven innings of Animal House and Meatballs in the wildest softball game of the year. Rated R. Squeeze Play. That was the trailer for Squeeze Play. So, Zach, what did you think about the movie? You said you've seen it once before, but mm-hmm. uh, I guess let's give a quick synopsis <laughs> of the movie uh, real quick. <laughs> Um, a group of a group of a group of gals who are not too pleased with the attention that their boyfriends slash husbands pay to their softball league and not to them um, decide uh, make it decide upon themselves that they are going to form their own league and show these male assholes what what <laughs> that's that's the best way I can describe the movie in in, in like a like within a log line and whatnot like it it is like some of the best revolutionary acts in history are started over very petty emotions but (laughs) this is this is one of those like it's it's basically i was trying to figure out a way to to describe the film it's like it's the bad news bears if they all grew up and then decided to fight each other in fight each other while also make love to each other because they did this these guys like these guys are really obsessed with their game, Zach. Like it is discomfort. It's like how we are with movies. So the only I, thing they like more than softball is pussy. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, yeah, but oh, okay, but yeah, but they but they have a limit as to whether or not they're willing to get laid, as opposed to playing next season. See, I figured it out. This is why I'm single. I care too much about watching movies and talking about movies. Is why I don't go out and date. Is because I'm too focused on this. This movie made me realize. I'm a dork. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, not that I needed further validation, but it was like the it was like the seal of it, man. Um, right. <laughs> so, but no, yeah, like the 
I mean, are we? I mean, are we going to do a plot like a like? A yeah, like yeah, we'll do a full breakdown. Let's just okay. dive right into it. So first off, <laughs> the movie takes place in Springdale, New Jersey, and I bring this mm-hmm. up because this is before Tromaville, New Jersey, even existed. So. I, I don't know much about New Jersey, and I apologize to anybody who lives out there. Um, so I'm going to assume Springdale's a real place, and it looks like it's just off the side of a highway. If you get a call <laughs> from Kevin Smith correcting you, you'll know why. So. Right. It, it doesn't say Red Bank or Leonardo. So <laughs> I know oh, those are... With and, names like Dante <laughs> and Handel. Randall! <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no. We have, it just, so this is not Tromaville. Like, so is this like... In the universe, we've got Tromaville. We got we got this place here. Is this like an adjacent town, like a Shelbyville, Springfield situation going on here? Like, I imagine because I I think uh, the like Toxie's like I'm not going to Springdale. That's just a bunch of hicks over in Springdale. We're he just goes over posh, <laughs> posh Tromaville. <laughs> Toxie goes over to the city limits of Springdale and he just goes nah <laughs> and just walks away with his bop. <laughs> and in the first 30 seconds, if not, if even that long, there's already a sex scene in this movie. So you know right off the bat what type of movie you're going to get into. And and in true trauma fashion, you see a boob and then an old aruga, aruga. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'll tell you, if we, if we want to talk about how trauma influenced things, I have this weird theory that 10 years later the director of Halloween five saw this and said, what if I added honks and horns to the cops when they're walking in Halloween five, that seems like the smartest idea ever here. It works in Halloween five. It doesn't. Well, there's a um, lot of things that don't work in Halloween five. Well, you know, you, I mean, you got to work with what you got, I guess. And when you try to create the cigarette smoke and black man in black. Um, but yeah, no, we get this sex scene and it is like, there is a part of it where you watch the the footage of it and you're thinking like, is this like a sexploitation film from like the early seventies and whatnot? It's like, Nope, this is, this is straight up 79. This is, and it's not that it's like, it's not super long. That's the thing I noticed about the, like the sex stuff in this movie. It is not as gratuitous as I remember it being like, it is like, it's certainly gratuitous, but the, the, the ratio is, yeah. is not is not what I remembered it being. Because um, none of the scenes are necessarily sexy as much as they are silly. Right, which is why which is why I was able to like really dig into it on on both my young self level and my current self level because I'm just like this movie is just having fun and I'm having fun with it. Um, but yeah, she they <laughs> they're having sex and. He doesn't finish because he suddenly realizes I've got a ball game. <laughs> and then, and you see all these guys leaving um, their girlfriends or wives in various states of distress. Like one, one woman has like a crying baby and he's, they're leaving oh, to go play softball. That is ridiculous. That man, <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. It's like a really solid scene of, domestic domestic bliss gone awry because like that she's got actual issues she needs to contend with with her family the the disrepair of their house and he's just like no no ball game baby ball game like what (laughs) like it's it's very much i was wondering if like if the the writer of this film it's it's not kaufman who wrote it obviously it's it's you know the writer of this film taking this idea and going like let's fuck with every 50s trope where so, something uh, the man has to do is more important than the other thing, you know? So actually, um, John Avelston, who directed Rocky and the movie Joe, 
uh, which yeah. Lloyd Kaufman worked on both of those. He recommended the writer, Hyam Peckless, to Lloyd to write the screenplay. They went, um, they hung out in like Florida, like in a bungalow, and um, Hyam wrote a script and hated all of Lloyd's fart jokes. So, <laughs> so they, so uh, he took after like six weeks or something. He Lloyd took the seventy-five page script back. Him and his brother Charles Kaufman. Uh, mm-hmm. wrote wrote additional jokes um, for the thing. Um, they Lloyd and Michael Michael Hers who uh, made the movie um, with him. They they got the idea of, to do a movie from a sub distributor. Um, he's like, if you make a sexy movie about a woman's softball team, you'll make a lot of money. Instead, they made Squeeze Play instead of like the sexy you know pinstriped. Uh, thing but this so they and they really wanted to talk about in this movie um the women's liberation movement and they thought right. a battle of the sexes um would be a good good way to do that and Lloyd actually in his first movie the girl Re- who returned he tackled that subject once before he um it's about two planets and a planet of men and a planet of women and they they join together for a, an olympics and this is his like first first movie. He made it when he was in Yale. So I thought it was interesting that he decided to come back to um, do another Battle of the Sexes movie. I actually have a clip of Lloyd and Michael Hurst talking a little bit about the Battle of the Sexes uh, theme of the movie. Um, Squeeze Play uh, was a film that took up that exploration of the Battle of the Sexes, women's liberation, et cetera, et cetera. And um, the view was that the women's softball team pitted against the men's would be the perfect vehicle to explore those issues. Like many of my films, uh, Squeeze Play is uh, based uh, on a political theme, uh, ripped from today's headlines. Uh, In this case, the women's liberation movement. What made Squeeze Play kind of unusual was that it took sex, which uh, back in the 70s, when I was coming along, the early 70s, sex was considered a serious subject. Uh, The sex movies were there to uh, spur on the raincoat manufacturing industry, and uh, uh, the rule was you shouldn't mix sex with comedy. But uh, Michael Hers, my partner, and I knew that uh, there was such a thing as vaudeville and comedy uh, uh, and sex were mixed together. In fact, the title, Squeeze Play, the Squeeze Play refers to squeezing part of a woman's anatomy, uh, boobies. Well, how delighted was I when I found out that Squeeze Play is actually a term that's used in softball. Um, The fact that it was funny and the fact that it was a little bit sexy uh, were incidental to the real hard-hitting social, economic, and political issues that Lloyd wishes to attack in that film. All right, and uh, this is a pretty interesting clip that Zach did not hear. He'll hear it when the (laughs) podcast is done. (laughs) No, what are you talking about, Zach? I just must be deaf. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, no, but but that... So, like, if he's tackling this subject as early on as this, it makes sense when you look at the kind of the output. Because he's not, like, there's there's always an intent to try to address the issue um, and in many cases succeed in the the fashion that Troma does. This film, like, I, you know, I got to be honest, like, it was one of the things that I admire about it from a modern perspective is that it does a really good job at portraying like men's behavior as what it is which is piggish and bullshit like it's like i you know what zach we're both men we suck right <laughs> so well it's funny because in, in my notes like for the movie like right here in the movie you see like like the just the locker room of all these 
all these dude bros, basically. And and then I was thinking, I was like, maybe Trump watched Squeeze Play and this is what he meant about locker room talk. Like, nobody actually acts like this. None of these dudes really have any redeeming qualities to them. They're all very misogynistic. And, and I think that's the point because they really want you to to feel for the women you see right in the first scene, all the guys just ab- abandoning their, their girlfriends and wives. And then, and then just, just being really boorish and, and you're like, Ugh. so I was watching the movie again and the, the catcher for the other team, his name is Bozo, which you might recognize for you trauma fans out there that that is the name of the bad guy from the toxic Avenger. <laughs> so, yeah. Which, you know, like a, I like that he recalls things or recalls like it, 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 whether it's names or references. Like, I mean, like the universe is as wide as it needs to be for him. Um, but the character of Bozo that we see here is the, the, like, it's, it's, it's kind of like funny how it hits the comedy trope of the era where it's or of like the older days where it's just like big bully, big bully kind of character, you know, against a smaller guy or like a shorter guy. Like, it, so like he's already working off of older dynamics that, you know, have obviously have stood the test of time, but like, you'd see like Bob Hope get in front of somebody that like looked bigger and taller than him. And he'd do the, <laughs> he says, sorry. And he, we get a little bit of that with his adversary. Well, and, and Lloyd in the commentary said that he's based off of Bluto from Popeye, which he totally i could see that i'm frankly surprised that robert altman didn't look at this movie and say like hmm he might be good for bluto (laughs) (laughs) but anyway they 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 finish their game (laughs) they they smack each other around in the locker room second in command of the mattress store that that sponsors their team comes in and nervously congratulates them (laughs) and (laughs) they treat him like shit (laughs) and he's like but also like every kind of dorky character like excuse me sir but you please he's like yeah the stereotypical nerd dude and it's funny that i don't they never explain in the movie or in the commentary or anything i read why they work in a mattress factory but they just do i'll tell you why (laughs) zach because there's a couple reasons at least at least to my mind if i'm looking at this film like number one there is a scene later on where all the guys are sleeping on mattresses that clearly work at this mattress store. Cause they work at the mattress store and they play on the company softball team. This, this town is run by two things, this mattress store and the softball teams. <laughs> it's kind of like the show uh, Friday night lights, <laughs> but with a mattress store. <laughs> well, I guess it's better that they're run by the Serta mattress store and as opposed to Tromaville, New Jersey, that's ran by apocalypse incorporated. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, no, this is much, I mean, the Serta is much more comforting. I would not, I, I would not want the one in Tromaville. It would be, be awful. But this one also, the other thing is, is that like, it's, we get we also get the actual like head of the mattress store who looks like Walter Matthau's chewed up brother. That's and actually Lloyd's dad. That's Lloyd's dad? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, Lloyd. I didn't mean to make fun of your dad. <laughs> he just reminded he gave off Walter Matthau vibes. Like he totally it, does. It, it, I was I was just like, what, Chuck Matthau came in <laughs> came in for a day? Um but yeah, no, but it, I mean it's fine. You need like some form of basis for why these guys <laughs> have enough income to fuck around in the baseball realm um and and what's fun and what's cool is is that like they 
they take advantage of whatever space they're able to because there's stuff inside that mattress store and the mattress factory. That... Yeah, Lloyd was saying in the commentary that him and his brother Charles were walking around the mattress factory, and there's a scene later on where um, they're, where a couple's like, you know, will you go out with me? I won't go out with you, that type of scene. But they're do- they're having all this delivery on a forklift as he's driving her around, and they got yeah, that idea these just are the from visiting two- location. These are the two character, two of the three character names that I remember the best in this movie. It's um, uh, it's 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 the Georgia gal, but it's Buddy is the one operating the yes. forklift, and then um, the other one I remember is Samantha because she's their leader. Um, but uh, but yeah, Buddy and um, the, the keep the narrator keeps calling her the Georgia Peach, and she uh, she's uh, like they they have this basically. Hepburn Grant-esque uh, banter on this forklift before she gets flung into a pile of mattresses, which I will say it was actually super well shot because I was like, that's, it's good cutting. Like, I got the impact of it. And I even remember sitting up in my chair the, the other day going like, oh shit! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, somebody's gonna die on this trauma set. Whoa! Um, but no, like, it, yeah, we get Dude, like, I mean, like, right after the game, you know, like, our, 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 our Samantha's boyfriend, who's, he's the most wishy-washy of them all. He's the only one we could feasibly have any feelings for, apart from uh, the other guy who, he, he, he doesn't notice <laughs> this one girl <laughs> who's, Who's, I see these got pigtails on. I couldn't tell. Like, it's and she's hard to tell. super into. I they have a running gag with him. He's like wearing a really nice white suit, and uh, and he just keeps getting it dirty. People keep spilling shit all over him. <laughs> yeah. And 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 he like he's he's kind of a dweeb, so he's kind of likable. But it's also like you don't like that. You're not noticing this girl who clearly has feelings for you. So like, obviously, you're maybe not worth my time. But like, but Samantha's boyfriend, he's very very. Um, he's torn. He's torn. If we're getting into the dramatics of it, he's torn. He loves his baseball, but he also likes you know a normal relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and so as a result, he is like he is thrust into this basic thing of he's going to break his promise that that he wouldn't play next season and it's all revealed while walking through a drive-thru which i appreciate them walking through a drive-thru and whatnot using a drive-thru kind of space like that and they're walking they're walking through and you get like a nice there's a lot of scale in this film um than i remember like there's a lot of action a lot of locations and Mm -hmm. yeah so they all end up Uh, go into this bar where all the guys they're like yeah baseball and all their girlfriends and wives Mm -hmm. are just sitting off in the other corner like fuck these guys so they end up um going all the ladies go into the the restroom which is a pretty funny scene because every single woman in the bar including uh lloyd's uh girlfriend at the time now uh wife uh patty pie she She's also in this big crowd of all the girls in the bathroom and they decide, well, one of us needs to try out for the softball team. That way we could spend more time with them and just show them that, you know, we could, we could do it too. Which that shot, by the way, I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with this shot because it reminded me of the stateroom scene in a night at the opera where everybody (laughs) is crammed into this one space, except 
it was also doubling down on that whole idea of I'm going to go to the bathroom to powder my nose that you see in old movies. And they just upped it to the nth degree. Like Lloyd just said, like, just put everybody in there. Like there's like 40 or 50 people in that bathroom. It's an insane shot. I've never seen that many people in a single shot with that confined of space. That is like nuts. I, I was like, I was in love with that shot. Um, and yes, they agree that somebody's going to try for the softball team. It interspersed with this is the Georgia girl that we that will follow through a majority of the movie. Um, a detective's on her trail. Detective cock. I detective mean, cock. That 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 dick cock dick dick cock back and forth was like I I was like the speed of the editing. I was just like this is pitter patter for burlesque house. That is just that is just lovely to watch from the trauma sphere itself. Like it's, and the detective keeps talking out the side of his mouth. He's clearly homaging these older detectives, like the Sam Spade or Philip Marlowe's like, and he's doing a fun job with it. Like, they, even, not, they even call him out on doing it in the movie. And he's like, yes. it's just more fun for me this way. <laughs> he, I will tell you, he is, this is not a joke. That is that is close to some of the best Bogart impression I've ever heard because nobody seems to quite get it right. He comes really close. Like, you super mind close. if I do the bogey? <laughs> Lloyd's over there going like, yeah, 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 sure, whatever, whatever, whatever. We, we've, we've got a schedule to keep, guy. Come on. <laughs> like, but he and, he, and he, not only that, in the dialogue, he literally says like, you, you just ran off with the bird and now you're heading off with a ticket to Casablanca. And I was, <laughs> I was just like, did Lloyd Kaufman write this scene for me before I existed? Like, <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. I love this. And uh, but yes, he talks to the head of that salon, who looks like he came out of the Scuzz factory without any you know factory check. So he's like ten times scuzzier, and he and she, he says I don't know nothing. And then she, he goes to see the Georgia gal. And he's going like, well, I won't say nothing if, you know, play ball. And she has this wonderful moment where she goes like, you know, I haven't played ball in a while. I think it's right here. And she just whacks that motherfucker in the nuts. And I was just, <laughs> I was just gig- giddy. We're going like, yes, yes, kick that scuzzy asshole to the ground. It was just, oh, God. It, this movie, like, catered to the primal in me <laughs> in terms of just like, yes, fuck these idiots. <laughs> like, um, but, like, the... Um, yeah, and then we and then we get this. She's got so Sam's gonna try out for the team, but she seduces her boyfriend into teaching her to play baseball. Yeah, and she convinces him like while they're having sex. She's like, yeah, is- "I think it'd be really great to let me try out for the team." And then she goes down on him. He's like, "All right, I, I'm living the life." She, <laughs> um, she, uh, he says a line in it that was wonderful he goes like i love women let me prove it <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, I, it was wonderful and like and it's all in one shot too like they roll to the floor like it, it is like it, it's funny like she's she gets the power play in it like and what's funny like when you talk about this film obviously if you're trying to pitch this to somebody out like out out of the know with trauma like they might walk away offended by it but like i'm just like no no look at it like she's literally making this man his her bitch because she's going to she's pulling a power play 
to very much so get the upper hand and learn about the game that she's going to do to thwart the male, the malocentric attitudes of these guys who, guys, they just want some of your time. They're not asking you for all of your time. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> they just want to have equal attention with the all-American pastime. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Speaking of all-American pastimes, we oh. later go to a wacky beach party. Oh, the wackiest. There's big inflatable baseballs. And it's, oh, it was, it was a great gag. It's like, I bet your balls are like these. And I, was, <laughs> I was like, this is, beach blanket bingo wasn't prepared for squeeze play. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? Or any of the beach movies you see in MST3K. When I was just like, they're not, they were never ready for squeeze play. And, and this is also like this scene where Buddy and the Georgia gal, she's, they're doing the will they, won't they literally in one scene on the beach. Um, and it, and it, and the detectives wandering around there too. And so she's got to get him off the trail. Um, and they, they actually cause, um, one of those, uh, Pee Wee Herman, uh, breakfast machine gags where they ricochets off of one another, like one by his actions goes over to another person. One woman smacks a guy really hard because she, his hand accidentally touches her, her arm. <laughs> it was just like that. That was, it was the timing. The timing of it was like a whack. <laughs> um, yeah. Then we, and we get that beach party and it is raucous and wild. There's nudity on that beach. Like, it's, right. <laughs> that's a nude beach. That's a nude beach in New Jersey. Who'd have thunk it? Right. <laughs> Only in Tromaville, or I Only guess Springdale. In, yeah, in Springdale. Yeah, and then, and, then, <laughs> and, the, and then the the beach scene leads us into the tryout, which the tryout scene I will say like uh, is just it's just not a comfortable scene to watch. No, no, it is not. It is very um. So the lead up to it, like, is 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 you know, they're she's trying out and she's playing and she's throwing hard, she's throwing balls pretty hard. Like, but but you know, like it, it's clear to them they're not gonna ask her to join the team. And then they literally just start you molesting know, her, molesting like... her flat out. It it is very um, is very uncomfortable to watch, especially within a modern context. And um, but even in a any time context period, it's uncomfortable. But I um, I think that's one of those scenes though that. Like you're like, all right, fuck that, fuck, fuck. that team. Like fuck. you just want to see all those girls like, like beat the kick shit their out ass. Of them. Yeah. Not only that, Zach. It's like when I saw the scene, I was like, fuck males, fuck <laughs> all males. Period. This is this is this is what you know. If anybody's wondering, like, why are why why are why are women uh, angrier than ever these days? Well, first of all. They've had the right to be because of the way men have been. But number two, it's shit like this. Um, and like, um, and again, like, you know, I mean, it's funny. You probably should, I mean, it would have been interesting if you had gotten like a, like a, a person who study, studies feminism and practices femi feminism um, in a stronger way. Cause like, I feel like it's so inadequate talking about the maturity of this discussion, <laughs> um, but um, I will say there's one shot in it that threw me off completely. Cause it's after that whole uncomfortableness happens. They show a guy chewing on a shoe. He's just chewing on a shoe, Zach. And, <laughs> and I was, and I kind of wanted to take a picture of it and be like, this is, this is all of us. Guys, we need to do better. We're all just <laughs> chewing shoes and not just our shoes, someone else's shoes. <laughs> 
and like but yeah it, and so they decide like you know fuck these guys we're gonna like we're gonna start this team when they're doing the tryouts though we're not going to overlook my spirit animal are we hot <laughs> the old grizzled janitor slash baseball player <laughs> who witnesses the georgia gal trying out and going She's got talent. <laughs> She's got moxie. She basic, basically Mickey from Rocky, which, yeah. you know, for, like Lloyd was integral to getting Rocky made, and he's good friends with John Avilson. So that, I'm sure, is a definite. It's the uh, one of many Rocky references that are in this movie, and uh, the other one that's coming up is amazing. Um, but, yes, he is very much Mickey. And, he, and I looked at the cast list. His, his cast name, his, list, his, his name is just Zachary. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he's he's our spirit animal. For he is sure. our, he is he is all of us. We Zach, deep down, you and I are just janitors who used to play baseball. <laughs> I did play baseball once when I was uh, was a kid. That didn't did not work out very well. Same same with I'm me. Re- the last I'm recording a podcast now. <laughs> Clearly, the Rockies did not want us. <laughs> but yeah, no, like so yeah, and there's actually that scene in the. Um, cafeteria where they work at the factory which i guess is actually like a lot of the extras in there are actually cafeteria workers or like like people like who worked in the in the place or yeah a lot of the scenes where there's extras and it's even true like when i worked on poultry guys they would hang signs up it's like be a movie star show up at this day at this time so i know in the bar and i'm sure at the the factory they just hung signs up it's like you want to be in a movie show up at three o'clock on saturday (laughs) And you'll be in a movie. It's hard to do that now because rightfully so, people question a flyer of that nature. (laughs) We we were in Buffalo, New York on Poultry Geist and going door to door in the hood, handing out flyers, you know, just a bunch of like nerdy kids, like film kids, punk rockers, like being like, hey, we're making a movie at that abandoned McDonald's over there, a zombie movie. Show up on Saturday, you get to be a zombie. And like, there was hundreds of people like Troma can still do it. And they, they're like, yeah, from the maker of the Toxic Avenger back squeeze play, they didn't have that clout yet. But I mean, they Troma still, that's how they get a lot of their extras is they'll just go to the neighborhoods yeah they he pops goes into a speech about like i used to do this i used to do this like it is it's it's actually kind of touching it's like it's like oh you know he's, he's got a pass to it i wish we had more of him in the movie but right yeah they he's a little underused but i mean the the scenes he's in there is fun for mm-hmm. sure so and then all the girls they're like all right we're gonna do our own team and so much like the first introduction in the movie where we see all the guys leaving the girls we now see all the girls leaving the guys in the same situations but they all go to have their rockies training montage oh and samantha leaves her bow um in the most compromising position imaginable and yes. it is a it is the proper revenge for him not like fucking flat out saying no my friends were wrong to do those things they did to your friend who was trying out for the team he did because he doesn't back down he just goes he says the phrase well what did you expect and like and and that lights the proper fire in samantha so where she she has him shirtless and then pantsless ties him to the fucking desk and has a party hat on him and then starts playing I don't like know what circus music or something. Yes. 
circus music and just and then opening the door as the music plays loud to have people who clearly run the apartment complex <laughs> walk in on him <laughs> and, he, and he's and he's just like oh well you know <laughs> i guess my ass will be my ass i don't know <laughs> but the other one also is interesting so the the couple from earlier that had the family issues she walks out and he she hands him the kid and he it's one of those uncomfortable lines but from the modern context especially but like it, you know he's he he the the husband goes like you're going to leave the kid with me to nurse while you go off and play baseball the kid's going to grow up you know the line um and like and and he just like he questions gender roles immediately and Lloyd Kaufman god bless him is pointing out the ridiculousness of who raises what in what role and capacity like who cares who's in the kitchen or who cares who's making the money like it, it like the gender norms don't matter you know yeah like so that's that's interesting to see in a movie in 1979 where i don't think i've seen that in a mainstream movie of this era or at least like one that's coming to mind like i mean I especially can, a comedy yes that's the other thing it's a comedy like comedy is usually stuck to a lot of central like like solidified tropes of just what normal behavior technically is like Caddyshack technically runs along the traditional moral guidelines of it. Like you have like, there's a whole plot line in that movie about pregnancy and abortion. Like there's, you know, so like they're, they're running off of a traditional line. Lloyd Kaufman's flipping it. And like, and it's interesting. And like, you know, obviously you can look at it and go like, well, it's not, you know, it's, 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 it's of its time, but it doesn't hold up today. I'm like, I argue that, you know, it's interesting to look at this much like you look at any film from the past and feel like, isn't it interesting how these ideas have always been here? So it's not, it's, so it makes the phrase of their time very hard to say out loud without going like, well, what about what Lloyd Kaufman was doing back then? Yeah. Like it, that's, what's interesting. It's like people it. still knew what was, <laughs> what was, should be acceptable and not. So. Exactly. It's almost as if though there is, people do know the difference between right and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Even back then. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the last four years have made that very <laughs> difficult to back up. <laughs> but anyway, yes. Yeah, so yeah, they all go to practice, and we get a wacky training montage. They're catching base our softballs in their purses, in their cleavage, and it's everything you would want from a Lloyd Kaufman training montage. It's not just that; it's a Rocky montage of the finest order because we see them in the gym. They're working out, they're getting their muscles. It's funny. Like they do, they show through the progression, like Samantha's or one of the girls is not getting the, uh, the weightlifting down quite right. And then they cut away for a couple of other scenes. They come back and she's lifting them like the rest of the guys. And I'm like, that's fucking cool. Like that's, and the guy looks dumbfounded. Like she could lift what? <laughs> like what do- <laughs> the goofiest look on his face. But the other one is one of the girls. I don't know which one it was. She does the egg drink, the raw egg drinking thing from Rocky. Yeah. And that looked <laughs> awful. Like I, that looked like she did it. Like yeah. actually drink a rye, and I've never tried it because just thinking about it like, was it, was seems it, gross. 
was that was that Lloyd just kind of like turning to somebody like John G. Alvinson and going like, you know what? That scene's bullshit, and I'm gonna fucking prove it. <laughs> well, he does say in the commentary that it definitely was inspired from Rocky for sure. Oh, I mean, <laughs> but and now after all this training, we get the Beaverettes, and we see him back at that bar, whole where where they had the idea to try out for the team. Now they're holding their own. It's still wacky in that bar. There's a guy who uh, put some popcorn in his nose and blows it into his girlfriend's mouth. And originally that was supposed to be a couple of the baseball players. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was actually Charles Kaufman uh, and his girlfriend at the time who did that. Um, Which which is kind of interesting that they did that because during the making of this movie, a lot of actors revolted about just they just didn't understand the the physical humor they didn't understand gags um lloyd michael hers they would often this is from lloyd's book he they would often call them humor nazis but theirs was a holocaust of fart jokes so (laughs) well strong language definitely to to uh to utilize but like they're i mean it's correct like i mean like you know the humor is a Humor and it's humor is subjective, much like film is subjective. You're gonna you're gonna cater your taste to what you want. Like I don't, I don't love romance movies. Does that mean romance movies are bad? No, of course not. Like and comedy, especially like you know Lloyd Kaufman is not afraid of a fart joke. Let's be let's be perf- let's get that right off the bat. <laughs> he is not afraid to let the fart fl- fly, and um, or the shit hit the fan in literal senses all, all across the board. And like you know, I think that. I appreciate the gumption to be like, no, 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 no. This is the humor. This is what it is. We're the directors. We're the creatives here. Trust us. This will work for the audience that we're, we're aiming towards. So it, did, it, yeah. it, sh- it should be said though, um, this is Lloyd's first bigger movie that, that he directed. So he didn't quite have the confidence in himself that he does like when he's making Tromeo and Juliet or Sergeant Kabuki Man, where he knows what he wants. Uh, case in point is actually this scene um, that's coming up in the bar. Um, there's uh, one of the lead actresses, um, who this, the Georgia Peach, she did not want to do nudity in the movie, right. um, which is fine. And Lloyd, you know, he, Lloyd says that's fine, but she didn't tell him that until two days before shooting. But uh, Lloyd said, well, that's okay and he didn't fire her, now he would be like, you know, that's fine if you don't want to do nudity. This role requires nudity. We'll find another part for you in the movie. So that kind of became a cancer on the set, um, the actress. And when we get is probably um, one of the most unsexy wet t-shirt contests ever committed to film. <laughs> right. Um, and well, now we should, we should specify, this is this bar's first annual one. The first annual. This is, look- the orig- <laughs> this is the origin story of their wet t-shirt contest. Well, real um, quick, um, I do have an audio clip about Lloyd talking about um, the actress not wanting to do nudity. Another lesson that I learned was that um, you've got to get rid of actors who are uncooperative. Woody Allen, I believe, has had more uh, Oscar-winning performances than any other director. Um, I've had probably the least. But uh, Woody Allen would get rid of actors. He got rid of Emily Lloyd in uh, Husbands and Wives after he shot the movie. In this case, I didn't have the guts to do that. In Squeeze Play, uh, 
um, uh, one of the actresses, Melissa Michaels, uh, told me two days before we were going to film that she would not do nudity. And uh, we had gone through the drill, she rehearsed it, uh, we had filmed rehearsals in Super 8. I should have fired her, I should have given her a part that required no nudity. I did not, I didn't have the guts to fire her. Uh, this led to a cancer on the presidency because uh, later on when there was supposed to be a, a shower scene, she uh, and some of the other actresses ganged up on me and we filmed the only shower scene in history, women in bathing suits. Back to that wet t-shirt contest. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, and in, in regards to like, you know, the, the whole, the aspect of like wanting to do nudity on set. Obviously, we are we've we've had a lot of stories come out in the last couple of years about you know people being mistreated when it comes to putting yourself in that vulnerable position. Um, it's interesting that um, the communication was off on on the set clearly, and you know I mean there's a part of me that appreciates the women standing up for themselves not to have to you know do that, but it, it is it, it's it's interesting to hear Lloyd to 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 understand what Lloyd was dealing with in terms of being a first time filmmaker, you write this scene, this is what it's supposed to be. And then you've got to deal with what, what you have to work with, with the conditions around you, you know, like, cause things change, you know, we, we actually learned a lot. So he talks about, about this quite a bit in his book and all that. Um, and me and Richard learned a lot when we were making Adam, we had um, the original actress who played Emily in our movie um, we were shooting a teaser trailer, which you'd appear topless in, and she refused to do it. She said, I just don't see the point in the trailer. I'll do it in the movie. And to to us and what we know from this incident specifically in Squeeze Play was that she's already made, probably made up her mind, which is totally fine that she does not want to do nudity. But, right. you know, the role itself um, requires requires that. When you're making an extreme movie um you need to stand up for your your vision and you know and especially in like a weird not pc movie you like you want to make sure everybody's comfortable and on board and if one of your actresses or actors are not on board to do nudity that's totally understandable and totally fine but you just want to you know also not have them in that role um, kind of spreading that to everybody else who was originally fine with that on. So like we, we learned from Lloyd and also because of that, they shot all of the sex scenes at the very beginning of the shooting schedule. That way, all that awkwardness is out of the way. They don't have mm -hmm. to do. I don't want to say like, I mean, like, you know, judging sexy and unsexy, like in terms of like what you're talking about. Yeah. It, it's very weird because everybody's, if it's a wet t-shirt contest, I guess you technically need to have people wearing white shirts. And they're all wearing their Beaverettes uniforms, which is which is cool. You know, they're you know digging into you know into their character, but but the um, the real real weird part of it, I'd argue, is the, the there's there's a song in it, Zach. <laughs> As they're dancing, I wrote down the uh, the 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 some of the lyrics to the song. Move your body according to the music, <laughs> which which is which is like it's that's a basic, given. <laughs> that's a this is a funkadelic version of grab your partner do si do. <laughs> the guy who is sp spritzing down all the the ladies is uh, film director Alan Moyle, who did he directed Pump Up the Volume and Empire Records. Oh snap! 
Really? Yeah. That, that was something I found found out while researching. I was like, I had no idea. <laughs> I guess the things you got to do to get started. I guess like that's 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 wow. I watch. I'm gonna watch Empire Records in a completely different way now. <laughs> Be like knowing one of his first jobs was to spritz down Tromets and squeeze play. <laughs> yeah. Also, thank you for mentioning Pump Up the Volume because now I need to rewatch that movie. That's a great movie. <laughs> hey, that movie's great. It's kind of insane. It's great. Um, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah and uh so yeah they do the contest the gal who was having trouble attracting the attention of the the spazotron uh who keeps spilling stuff on him um i think it's samantha who's going like you know go out there and strut your stuff and she has this whole solo act where i noticed in continuity first her shirt's wet and then it's not wet and then it's wet again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then it's not wet, um, which I mean, you know, whatever. You can't really tell the difference. It's, but this—that's the c word in a trauma movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh, you're not supposed to say that out loud. <laughs> but that the seduction scene that happens here, because suddenly Spazotron here is very interested in her, <laughs> um, and he goes up to the front table of the stage, and she's doing her dance, and he is. Uh, it's it's um it's 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 so, it's funny we break, we were talking about like early comedies and whatnot. A lot of early comedies had to have a lot of innuendo. Obviously, you have sex, sexual innuendo. Get around the Breen office and the censors, right? This this is very much in keeping with the idea of well, we can't show him having a boner, so we're gonna show a beer bottle exploding with suds <laughs> <laughs> at the end of this dance. And I was, and I got a kick out of it because it's, it's very unapologetic. It's very, very proud of itself. And I love it. Um, And then she, she leans backward. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this is the dance of love, Zach. This is the dance of love. Um, And in this scene, Samantha's guy uh, is none too happy about the attention Samantha's getting on stage. And then Bozo comes back. And she she uh, starts flirting it up with Bozo just to right in his face. <laughs> yeah, and then Bozo turns into bullshit Bozo. I don't <laughs> I, I was trying to think of a better name. I I don't know. Like he, he turns into a fucking creepatron. Um and uh <laughs> she she gets the upper hand on him though in the coolest way imaginable. I love this scene, Zach. Yeah. It's, so so she he starts getting too frisky and then aggressive. She gets in the car. She he puts her in the car. But then she has the window rolled down. He sticks his head in and slowly as she's talking to him and d- distracting him, rolls the window up <laughs> and traps his head in the window with his hands clearly outside so he can't reach inside. <laughs> And then starts blaring the radio. <laughs> uh, when I saw that scene, like it made me think of uh, Back to the Future, and <laughs> when uh, Biff is trying to rape Lorraine in the yeah. car, because Bozo is you, you, you're like this is not going to end well. But yeah, no, she gets away from him. Um, but um, her bow does not know that because <laughs> in this time, Buddy and Georgia have um, basically fallen in completely in love. And that's when we get the detective catching up to her, um, uh, get, catching up to him, to her. Um, she's staying at Samantha's place, which Samantha lives on the upstairs. Her boyfriend lives on the on the bottom level. 
Which is funny. I did not realize that. I had to rewind the scene. I did not yeah. realize that until this, like, like later part, half of the movie that they lived above each other. There's a, <laughs> there's a line before um, uh, they do the, the whole sex slash baseball lesson scene where they talk about, like, just think if it wasn't for us living uh, above each other, below each other, we wouldn't have... <laughs> <laughs> would have never met and fall in love and i was like and i and for some reason i was just like take note of that zach it's gonna come back <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough it did because this apartment complex has the thinnest walls and ceilings imaginable because georgia and buddy make love <laughs> uh and i'm talking like you know it's it's thrusty love and uh samantha's boyfriend's at the bottom with all the chinese food boxes ever <laughs> every single Chinese food box imaginable, all the junk. I mean, it looked like, it looked like my basement in high school, like coming home and going like, I'm going to just watch psycho for the 15th time. Well, what's that Panda express. Okay. And like boxes upon boxes of this. And uh, he hears it and she, he thinks she's working out because she hears, he hears, uh, uh. and then he starts hearing a male voice. <laughs> And it throws him for like, longer than a minute. It, yeah, it literally is kind of like the amount of timing that an Elmer Fudd or a Yosemite Sam has before they fall off the cliff. Like they're stuck in midair and then they go, whoa, whoa, and, then, <laughs> and then fall. Um, and then he, but he, he notices and takes note of it. Cause then Samantha comes back to the, to the apartment and he basically shuts the door in her face. And it is kind of weird. Cause it's just like, you don't, feel like bad for either one of them more than the other because it's a big misunderstanding yeah it's and it was weird in this in this movie i was was like man like that's that's an interesting real moment like they're not overplaying it really he's not certainly not he's he's clearly like drunk and kind of uh like depressed about the fact that he's just heard sex going on upstairs um and she looks genuinely disappointed. Like, it, it's one of those things where I was just like, man, this is a nice, really cool. Like, that's the thing. Like, trauma movies can surprise you in the weirdest ways. It, with Squeeze Play, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I can see where Kevin Smith gets inspiration from movies like these. Because, like, they're, yes, they, they lean on the wacky, the subversive, but there are moments in them. There's always moments in any movie, no matter what kind of movie you make. You could be making Pink Flamingos. There's still real moments in Pink yeah. Flamingos. Um, and this is, a, this is an example of it. Like Lloyd captures a real human moment. Like when she walks away and the, the music gets sad, I'm like, That's, is Lloyd Kaufman making me cry? Like, <laughs> it didn't go that far, but it was Lloyd, like- Lloyd Kaufman has made me cry. <laughs> Different reasons. <laughs> But yeah, Buddy and Georgia agree to get married. They go to they go off to get hitched. That's when we get to the game, the big game. It's so, going to determine the fates of our characters. <laughs> it's the men versus the women. Um, mm -hmm. So Lloyd asked John Avelson um, how to shoot something as complex as a baseball game because he you know shot all the Rocky stuff. Um, so John Avelson recommended using long lenses. Um, and they actually shot the entire baseball game in Super 8, um, all the rehearsals first before they shot the movie. I have a clip of Lloyd talking about that. Also, the baseball plays. You know, we shot that movie on Super 8 ahead of time. We rehearsed everything in that movie ahead of time over and over and over again. We went to the park and had, uh, you know, baseball games. Uh, we had 
we, we shot everything on location in Super 8 because we didn't have video in 1976 or whenever we made this movie. So the movie was unique. No one, there was nothing like it. So naturally, because it was unique, the theaters didn't want to play it. And uh, we had to prove ourselves. But it did, everywhere it played, it did really, really well. Well, first of all, I, I want to tell you, I'm re I'm, I'm another reason I'm glad you had me pick, watch this movie again. So this guy I got reintroduced to one of the greatest baseball announcers in movie history and baseball history in general. He, I mean, Red Barber and him, I think, are comparable. <laughs> Vince, and Vince Scully might be in third place at this point because I think this guy takes number two. Right. He, at the, we should mention at the beginning of the movie, he, he tries to describe what a squeeze play is until the squeeze play actually happens. <laughs> then, um, because the squeeze, squeeze play, when you hear the title, it's not a catchy, kinky title. It's actually a play in baseball. So like, that's what it's kind of like a nice double entendre there. But this announcer, in the first moments of the movie, he has a bunch of yogurt cups in front of him. In here, he starts with one Pepsi can and then evolves to all the Pepsi cans that you could get in, I'm assuming, a 24-pack in 1979. And <laughs> he, he's basically giving the commentary of this game. And in the middle of it, at one point, he goes like, this has been the worst baseball game I've ever seen, <laughs> softball game I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, and he's drinking all these Pepsis. By the time he gets to that 24th can, I'm like, there's a shot of the scoreboard where somebody's pissing on the scoreboard. And I'm like, why isn't it that guy? <laughs> that would have <laughs> been pretty be, good. <laughs> that, would, that should have been the guy pissing while like he has his microphone in his hand and he's talking. And he's just like, hey, it's the fifth inning. And whoa, you know, um, and uh, the, uh, uh, but yeah, as far as the game itself, I will say this, that's some good baseball filming, man. It's like, so like very competently shot. And then like it, like it's on par with you know any other sports movie of that time mm -hmm. so yeah. it the the action feels real it doesn't there's a lot of sports movies that are low budget where you could tell they're they're acting a game and this actually feels like they're playing a baseball game this the the filming of baseball in this looks better than in the movie hardball which is <laughs> which is a movie made by Paramount Pictures in the early 2000s. Like, and, and apart from the film being in 4.3, which by the way, like, that's another thing I didn't remember about the, about the films. It, they're shot in 4.3, the so early ones. Yeah. They're, they're actually all shot in 4.3. Maybe not his new, new ones, um, mm -hmm. but they're shot in 4.3 because of the home video market. That makes perfect sense then, because at the time, the television didn't have a widescreen aspect ratio. Um, but like, I, I'm trying to, yeah, because yeah, Toxic Avenger was, yeah. So yeah, that that's interesting. But like, it's interesting. He is working well with the four three format. All the shots and all the composition of the baseball scenes are shot for the for the frame, and they 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 feel kinetic. There's movement. I'm seeing a game in play. Nothing feels disjointed, really. Like not like not inherently, especially if we're talking about a low budget film. Like let's for, even forget Troma for a second. It's a low budget movie. You know, it, to have that much cohesion in a baseball in baseball filming is a is a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think I could even do it. And, you know, and we've got a bunch of tools at our disposal to make that happen. But probably one of the most important parts in this baseball scene is the man that gets the baseball hit up his ass. Um, I actually have a clip about Lloyd talking about that. Squeeze Play, of course, had some amazing uh, humorous uh, moments. Uh, 
such as a man who uh, catches a softball uh, between the cheeks of his uh, behind, gets the biggest laugh of the film, of course. Uh, the main actor who was supposed to do that shot uh, did not want to have a softball taped to his behind, have a string pull the softball away, have the camera upside down uh, so that the, uh, the material in 35 millimeter would be recorded backwards when placed in the editing room. It would then come forward and, um, and uh, you'd have a hilarious uh, moment. Uh, so a, an extra did it, a guy who was uh, kind of a walk-on took the part. Uh, and uh, had the ball tape taped to his behind and uh, went down in history with the biggest laugh in squeeze play. All right, yeah. What did you think about that baseball mask? <laughs> I, th- I think that we talked about John Waters earlier and obviously Divine eats dog shit and pink flamingos amongst the other transgressive things that he does. I think a baseball in somebody's ass is absolutely on par and should be commended alongside of the works of a John Waters because that is, you know what's, you know what's beautiful about it, Zach? We, I, I rented this movie off of Amazon Prime. It's standard definition is what it told me, but my, you know, my TV can upgrade, upres a little bit. Like it, it, it has some clarity. I barely notice any wire where that ball is going into his ass. Like it, it is literal. It is a wonderful comic gag utilizing mechan- actual mechanics. It's not a CGI ball going into a guy's ass. It's a physical ball. And yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was just like, man, the power of movies. Like that's (laughs) only, only in movies. Can you do this dude? Only in movies. You can't do this in video games. Well, I mean, I guess you could, but it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same. Uh, And it's a wonderful, wonderfully funny scene that I think hits on the kind of slapstick, but this is slapstick in the seventies. So you're allowed to do more. It's the, you know, it's, it's no different than, Mo and Curly and Larry smacking each other around for five hours while they're plumbers. You know, like there's, that's what, in five hours, more like 30 seconds. <laughs> um, and it's like a gag event. Like they show the whole baseball scene and there's gags. Like people are, nuts. People are doing Buster Keaton tumbles all over the place. Then you were yeah. mentioning Buster, Ke- Buster Keaton earlier. That's where I'm mainly seeing it. There's a lot of tumbles and acrobatics. And I- <laughs> I was like, are there, and they, there, I looked in the credits, there are stunt players. So this look, wasn't like just um, uh, regular actors doing this. Well, and that's a pretty important thing on the Lloyd movie is the first rule of production in capital letters is safety to humans. The second rule, safety to people's property. And the third rule in very small print um, is make a good movie. Yeah, but yes, no, that there's pratfalls. There's, there's also distractions. We talk about the distractions. You, you, um, you recall the movie Basketball a little bit with this because the, uh, the, the Beaverettes that are not playing are distracting one particular player named Ross <laughs> who, who gets so distracted that he needs to devise blinders for himself. <laughs> and I love the blinders. It's really cool. He's got like a little cardboard thing sticking out so he can't look the other way. And like my whole brain is just like, dude, you don't need to look at women every time they're in front of you. <laughs> but they're topless and they're shaking them at him. <laughs> it doesn't matter, Ross. You don't need to do Ross. You don't need to do it. You don't but, need to be big. <laughs> and I don't think I want to spoil the end of the movie. Everyone should watch watch this movie. Oh, um, yes. So, but we're, it's like right there in the end. And, and you, you could tell how the movie's going to go if you haven't seen it. But if you, I, I don't want to say, because it is, it is definitely surprised me a little bit on how the movie ended. Yeah, um, it's, it's, um, 
I mean, since we're not going to spoil the ending, I will talk about something that happens during the middle of the game. They have a fight in the middle of the game, like where they all go out into the middle of the field and start beating the shit out of each other. And uh, the, uh, the, the, the announcer makes an announcement for the Mattress Workers Gospel Hour radio show. <laughs> and, and it features the satin sheet gospel singers. And I'm like, oh, it's like Prairie Home Companion, but, but um, less problematic then. Like, like that was just like oh i want to know what that radio show is now i'm a radio junkie like zach knows this and i'm just like i want to hear that shit what was that <laughs> like in the 70s like it's like the grand old opry but about mattresses like, um but yeah no it, i mean the ending actually surprised me um surprised me this time around primarily because one because i hadn't seen it for a while but two like it's kind of weird knowing all the stuff now that i do about Lloyd and his his history with Rocky because I did not know the Rocky tidbit until I want to say four or five years ago like and and the Alvinson connection and it's interesting how much of Rocky he draws from this movie um to the point where I was just like that's really that's you know that's admirable but I'm like you know he 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 does what any good producer does. You find a good concept that has, does work and then add what you do to it. It's kind of like Cunningham with the, uh, with Friday the 13th taking off of Halloween and going like, well, I'll do my version of that. Yeah. And for Lloyd, his version of Rocky is squeeze play. It wasn't actually received very well um, by the distributors, but um, there was um, a one theater in Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia, um, who played it as a with a double bill um, with the Peter Falk movie, The In-Laws. Here's Lloyd nice. talking about that. <laughs> Squeezeplay, like many trauma movies, has one foot in a serious political issue. Toxic Avenger was about the environment. Squeezeplay was about women's liberation. So the, the metaphor of softball and the women wanting to have parity with the men and have their own softball league was a kind of an interesting theme. And maybe that's the reason the film was quite successful. Uh, when we tried to get it into movie theaters because it had uh, ample doses of crass sex, the uh, MPAA was giving us a hard time and, uh, and the movie theaters wouldn't accept it, but it did get uh, a sneak preview in Virginia. Uh, we had a sneak preview uh, with the in-laws, Peter Falk and uh, Charles Grodin. And people loved Squeeze Play, and the next Monday, uh, AMC decided to play the movie in, in a lot of its theaters. And the film uh, went from one print, I think, to uh, three or four hundred And the movie did so well um, that it actually made it so Troma could buy their building in Hell's Kitchen, uh, which is no longer there. They now have moved to Long Island, but they forever they were a staple in um, Hell's Kitchen. So, uh, well, that squeeze play, Zach, did any final thoughts on this before we move to our double features? Uh, you know, I will, here's what I will say, like, especially learning a lot of stuff from this and, you know, thinking about, thinking, thinking about how films are made today, the issues that have come to light over the past four years and, um, and, and you know, and just the, the trauma spirit in general, it makes me appreciate this movie on an even greater level than I did rewatching it this week. And even when I was, you know, younger watching it at the recommendation of somebody like Kevin Smith, like it is very like it is very admirable in a way that like I, you know, like it's and again, like we were talking earlier, it's not a kind of movie that I would make, but it's a movie that I look at and go like, see what you can do with little money and just a lot of ambition. Like there's a, like this is this is a very simple movie about the you know, battle of the sexes with baseball. 
there's a lot that it accomplishes in the most interesting ways. Not everything holds up today. Um, I'll, I'll be blunt about that. But that, but that's not to the, to discredit the work that yeah. was done. It's just you know, time times change. We all change. You know, I've changed. We all change, Mary. It, it all is a big circle. Um, but you know, like it, it, I, it, I, I do think that there's some lessons to take from this film, which sounds weird coming out of my mouth after I've just talked about Double Indemnity and Sancho the Bailiff um, for other episodes um, recently. But there is a there is something to take from every film you watch, especially when it's from before your time. With Squeeze Play, I think especially when we get to the next segment, there are ideas that are still plucked from things like this. Whether or not they're referencing Squeeze Play exactly is irrelevant. The bottom line is, is that it's here. There's a record of Lloyd Kaufman making a movie where men are portrayed as the utter douchebags that they are um, in the in in the regards of like these these small little things that like they don't need to be upset this obsessed about baseball like I I just I feel sane compared to these guys at times but like the um, but also just the ability of them to be like no fuck it we're gonna start our own league we're gonna kick your ass um, and and again like there's a there's a level of I'm a I'm a big appreciator of audacity and insanity combined. And I think that trauma does that the best because they don't give a fuck and they are willing to, they're not, they're, they, these are good people making audacious things and testing the limits. They test the waters constantly. And I, with, with squeeze play, it's interesting that like from its humble beginnings, this is a movie that really tests the boundaries. Um, and there's clearly things that you see, in this film that don't end up happening in other trauma movies because it's like, okay, we, you know, that didn't work. Let's do this other thing here. Exactly. Um, like, you know, but like, there's like, cause like, the, like we talked about the uncomfortable scene. You don't see a lot of like things like that truly happen in a lot of the, the, the trauma movies. It seems like that would be something that somebody who doesn't understand trauma would, would blame it for. But I'm like, no, I don't, but I'm like, no, I don't see that that often. This, this seems in keeping actually with filmmaking of the seventies, like what Sean S. Cunningham was putting out um, with Wes Craven before he got into the Friday movies, you know, it's like very uncomfortable. Um, And in a sense, it's real cinema. Like it's it's like real attempts at dramatic filmmaking. Um, But also, you know, this is a guy who encourages other people to make movies like how he had to do it like with nothing in his pocket, but a dream, you know, like not to bring a Disney coinage of phrase to <laughs> Lloyd Kaufman. Cause I don't know how he'd feel about that, but it's true. Like he, he helps people's dreams come true and he proves it by making his own dreams come true. So like, I, I was very enamored watching this film, um, you know, and, and it's, if anybody's wondering like, well, should I watch this? Like the answer is, yeah, like you should, you should give it a shot. Especially if you're only familiar with um, toxic Avenger on, it's very satisfying to see where he came from um, and those roots. And you'll see, and you'll see the humor that play out through even his most current work. So um, you can watch the movie. It's on prime dvd there's it comes in the sexy box set with all their early sexy movies mm-hmm. um it's on watch.troma.now um on the troma now um streaming streaming site 
with another movie that I've heard recently got on there. Congratulations. Yeah, we, yeah, we just uh, got on Troma now, Adam. Oh, got picked God. up. So you could do a double feature of that on there. Um, and <laughs> and I believe they're working on a Blu-ray um, right now for it. So That'd be cool. Is he going to do any additional special features? Is there any inside dope you can tell me on that one? All I know is I'm, I saw um, him tweet some cover art. So ah, cool. Um, so yeah, oh. that's coming. All right, double feature time. Woo! So my the double feature I picked. There's a lot of. I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go if I wanted to do, um, you know, Battle of the Sexes, um, you know, a baseball movie, um, and one of my buddies uh, told me about this movie. It came. It's if Squeeze play. Um, if you took the comedy out of it and made it a horror thriller, it would be 1990s Blood Games. It started as a Sunday afternoon baseball game. Guys against the girls. Then these rednecks turned out to be real sore losers. That's when things started to get ugly. We're gonna kill them! And we did. 17 to 2. But while we were celebrating in the locker room, the guys were raising hell and looking for trouble. You know what I need just about now? Pussy dumb shit. Mickey and Connie were it. Things got way out of hand. I want justice. Roy's dad turned out to be an ex-mercenary. And we were in a whole lot of trouble. We have to get away from here, so let's go. Those dirtbags hunted us down like animals. But we weren't about to give up. The old mercenary was relentless. He just kept coming. It started out as a friendly game of baseball. But at the bottom of the ninth, it's every man for himself. In Blood Games. Blood Games from 1990. It's directed by Tanya Rosenberg. And it, like I said, it's the horror equivalent of Squeeze Play. Um, once again, it's uh, the men versus the women in a baseball game. Um, and it's kind of like the, the scene in Squeeze Play where she's trying out and the guys get uh, gropey, except for this time, the guys are losing so bad, they just start beating the shit out of the women. And um, the women end up winning the baseball game and uh they're like a traveling ball team called babe and the ball girls and they um try to get their money that they're owed from this ball game and they the these rapey dudes they kill their coach and they 
they uh, start tracking down the women in this Greyhound bus that's emblazoned with Babe and the Ball girls. And they're trying to, you know, murder them and, you know, rape them and just be terrible people. And it's weird. It came out in the 90s, women, uh, woman director, too. So it's it reminds me of Savage Streets, uh, but with baseball mm-hmm. in, instead of like a high school gymnasium. Um, but that being said, it's mean in tone for sure. Uh, it's not, not really a comedy, but, um, it's, I did have fun with it. Uh, cause all the, the, the women getting revenge on the, like the terrible dude baseball team, um, is just satisfying. Like all the deaths are satisfying. In is the, it, um, in, would you, would you compare it to a, um, a kind of like a nice spit on your grave kind of a situation? It, it it's not as, uh, as uh, graphic as I spit on your grave, but yeah, it's definitely oh, cool. in that, in that tone, but you, it really is. It's, I was surprised when I saw it. It's like, if the dudes from squeeze play didn't go to the bar and they're like, we should just rape and kill this other baseball team. That's the blood games. And actually there's a weird trauma connection. Um, one of the writers of the movies, uh, George Saunders, uh, wrote and directed the trauma movie Vendetta, which I'm sure will be talked about on this podcast at some point. That's so. an in, that's an interesting um, uh, selection. I <laughs> I'm obviously not aware of this movie. <laughs> I I wasn't either. One of my buddies told me about it. Vinegar Syndrome just put it out on Blu-ray um, ah, within Vinegar the last Syndrome, year. Huh? So <laughs> yeah, um, I've got a friend. Um, who's been on Shamley before who likes vinegar syndrome uh, selections a little bit more than I do. So I think he'd be, this would be up his alley. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think I'd, I think I'd have to go without a meal if I were going to try to watch them. Uh-huh. It, that- it's, <laughs> it, it, it's not, yeah, it's definitely mean spirited, but uh, it's, it's the horror equivalent of squeeze play, which I was surprised about. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, again, you know, you know me, I'm a bit of a cuddly character for the most part, except I mean, certain horror films, obviously like are not, not certain. I'm a pretty, you know, decent horror fan, but like there's some angles of horror that I haven't gone further in like the vinegar syndromes and your synapses. I haven't dove, dove into those, but that, that's interesting. Like, so that's literally kind of like the, the, the straightforward approach to something yeah. like a, and they get revenge, which is cool, you know? So then they get, you know, kick the shit out of these guys. And, um, that, that it's, it's, it's so it's vinegar syndrome. It's, wow. Okay. Yeah. Definitely check it out. Uh, what'd you, what'd you pick for your, uh, double feature? You're going to hate me <laughs> <laughs> partially because I told you up front, um, but, uh, but I chose a movie that, Oddly enough, Lloyd introduces in uh, the the video introduction of this film, uh, Squeeze Play, on Prime Video. There's a video introduction where Lloyd Kaufman is talking in the streets. He's talking about how he has a wonderful joke about how the ass got into the baseball, how how the baseball got into the guy's ass. he swallowed the baseball and we waited <laughs> i was like that's adorable um but he also said that the movie squeeze play has been compared uh compared to the uh to i, I believe the word is uh highly inferior a league of their own I'd like to lead you all in a little prayer dear lord may our feet be swift may our bats be mighty may our balls be plentiful. And Lord, I just like to thank you for that waitress in South Bend. You know who she is. She kept calling your name. This summer, Tom Hanks is managing the impossible. 
The Rockford Peaches. missing the cutoff man now that, that, that's something that i would like you to work on before next season columbia pictures would like to take you out to the ball game for an all-star comedy they'll pay you 75 dollars a week we only make 30 at the dairy. Well, then, this would be more, wouldn't it? The manager, Tom Hanks. Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. The catcher, Gina Davis. What do you say we slip in the back seat and you make a man out of me? What if I smack you around for a while? Can't we do both? The pitcher, Lori Petty. I made it. I'm a peach. <laughs> a Rockford peach. The scout, John Lovitz. Are you coming? See how it works is. The train moves, not the station. And batting cleanup, Madonna. What if my uniform bursts open and oops, my bosoms come flying out? You think there are men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? A league of their own. All right. God knows we have a game. It's not like any of this helps, believe me. Directed by Penny Marshall. It's going to sound weird to hear the trailer for A League of Their Own after you've heard the trailer for Blood Games <laughs> and Squeeze Play. <laughs> but here's the thing. I hadn't watched the movie in a while. And I wish I would watch this movie more often because it's got 40s old-timey swing music playing around this wonderful story of rising against the odds. And, you know, just, just a baseball team kicking ass. But when I watched it again today... Um, before I went to work, <laughs> I was noticing, like, did Penny Marshall watch Squeeze Play? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> funny, funny that you say that. Um, they also talk about, in Terror Firmer, they talk about Squeeze Play. I'm going to play that clip real quick. I finally saved up enough to do this film. I think it's my chance to break in. You know, I just want to make enough money writing and directing to take care of my mom. Sure you will. Why wouldn't you? I don't know. I see Benjamin running around giving orders and everything. Oh, you can do it. I swear by my pickles, you'll be the next Penny Marshall. You'll be in a league of your own. Nah. It's getting late, um, but I had a really good time, though. Thank you. So, it, all, all, all we know is, is the bad guy from Terra Firmer thinks Penny Marshall is a very talented director. <laughs> so then, so then, clearly, the video introduction that Lloyd did was also tongue firmly in cheek. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's interesting. Like a lot of the same beats are hit. But League of Their Own tells the story of a girls' baseball um, league that's formed by the American League um, that uh, play baseball in lieu of the men being overseas and men's baseball being canceled during World War II. 
Um, and it's primarily the story of Gina Davis and her sister. Um, it's uh, it, it's uh, yeah, Gina, uh, Gina Davis and her sister played by Lori Petty and them trying out for the team, getting on the team, they get to hang out with Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna. Um, and um, uh, also the, the character of Marla played by um, the woman who would go on to voice Jimmy Neutron, <laughs> which I did not know that until today. Um, and, uh, but it, it really is, it's basically, it, it hits a lot of the same beats that Squeeze, Squeeze Play does uh, hit, except the, the one notable element that's removed is versus the men. Um, what's interesting is, is that this movie is less about battle of the sexes and a little bit more about just about like, just about proving yourself, um, which is, which is interesting. I think about a league of their own in terms of today. And I'm almost like, well, does it hold up by comparison to what we could have done? And I think it still does because it's a stepping stone. Yeah. I look at, I look at film through time as stepping stones. Squeeze play is a stepping stone that then leads to something like a league of their own that then leads to a battle of the sexes. Like that, this is a, an important stepping stone. And, you know, oddly enough, like we were talking about emotional moments in squeeze play. This movie's full of them. I tweeted about this today. You could look it up on my Twitter. I, I saw cried. you were you were crying. I cried all the tears. <laughs> like, I tutor- I'll be honest. I haven't watched watched this movie since I worked in the video store mm-hmm. um, because of the reference in Terror Firmer, um, and and I love Big so and yeah. So why why not watch uh, and the Vernon and Shirley? So why not watch A League of Their Own? <laughs> so. Oh, I'll t- actually, actually, really quickly though, Tom Hanks. I take this back. Tom Hanks is the equivalent of the majority of the men's baseball team in Squeeze Play. He's a conglomeration into one because he's <laughs> he doesn't believe in these women. He has to manage the team, and he, <laughs> he, he's. He's a recovering alcoholic who's hired by Gary Marshall playing this, playing the head of this candy bar company to be like, you're going to manage the girls' baseball team. This is the best I could get you since you're you know, a fall-down drunk asshole. And he gets drunk immediately, shows up to the women's locker room to give them the pep talk, but instead pisses and then leaves. <laughs> so there is a pissing scene in that movie too. Um, there's a lot of, you know, wackadoo screwball slapsticky comedy going on in certain areas of a league of their own. Um, but there's also a lot of heart and a lot of emotion. So I think that's the counterbalance. My counterbalance is like, okay, we give you a good laugh. Now we give you a good cry. Um, and I think you can't find a bigger cry than in a lot of moments in a league of their own. Actually in a league of their own, there is a few trauma connections as well. So um, David Strathern, who plays Ira Lowenstein in a league of their own. Uh, yep. One of his first movies was when nature calls, which was directed by Charles Kaufman. Um, wait, 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 Zach. Hold the phone. You, you kind of just blew my mind here. David Strathairn was in a trauma movie? Yep. When Nature Calls, which actually came out probably around the same time as uh, Squeeze Play, uh, one of the sexy comedies. And actually, around the same time as the sexy comedies, Madonna auditioned for the first turn on the fourth and last sexy comedy before The Toxic Avenger. And mm-hmm. um, and uh, she auditioned. She wanted to play the part of the Jewish princess. And Michael Hers was like, I, I don't picture you as a Jewish princess. You're not like, no. And she auditioned several times. And he kept turning her down. Lloyd never actually auditioned her. It was just always Michael. And uh, so then um, she, she went off to go do some music thing that she was telling him about. And we all know 
where her career would have went if she actually went and started on the in the first turn on instead of going to be a recording star. So Gates McFadden, David Strathairn, Maury Amsterdam. Zach, Zach, if, can you have me back to talk about this? <laughs> I definitely will, because that is a movie uh, I'm going to talk about. I, I, you, you've heard it here. We'll, we'll do uh, when nature calls. Oh God, I'm coming back, guys. I'm coming back. I gotta. I. This is just really off topic, real quick. Good night and good luck is one of my top twenty movies of all time because David Strathairn is amazing in it, and um, uh, and also it's you know black and white, but <laughs> um, uh, and it's about you know taking down people who are fucking idiots. Um, but David Strathairn is wonderful in uh, A League of Their Own. He doesn't get that much to do, but he is very good at what he's doing. He's like one of these guys you could put in a forty setting or a fifty setting, and it absolutely works. Like he he belongs in no other period. Now that I know he's been in a trauma movie, I'm like, literally, he's done everything. He's, a, <laughs> he's not like a lead actor. He's a character actor. Yeah. Right? Like, the last thing I saw him in was Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, so, but that's, that's fascinating. Wow. Well, um, um, that, that pretty much wraps it all up. Is there anything you wanted to plug? Oh. <laughs> um, David Strathairn's career. Um, <laughs> no, um... Um, I do a couple of podcasts. Um, I do a uh, real nerds podcast each week uh, with Brad Haig, Ryan Frost and um, Corinne Westerman and, um, and sometimes Henry and James uh, where we review the top movie releases of the week. Um, as of this recording, we just reviewed Mank. So if you want to hear only me talk, that's the episode for you. If you want to hear anything else, <laughs> um, listen to any of the other reviews we've done. Uh, we've, we've been in the pandemic like everybody else. So our, selections have been slim pickings um but we found a way to make it work you have um, not watched a slim pickings movie as your review i will say that because i've been <laughs> i've been following <laughs> along in your adventures yeah. I, I say next time you go on there you should you should bring up zach said we all should watch a slim pickings movie so it's either blazing saddles or dr strange love because I, I think it's the only two that they're going to want to watch because <laughs> there's other slim pickings movies out there <laughs> <laughs> that man could ride his own horse like that nah, god damn it Riding that bomb. <laughs> Strange Love still has one of my favorite last lines in the movie. I can walk. It's a miracle. <laughs> um, and then the other podcast that I've just started recently is Yesteryear Ballyhoo Review. We talk about cinema pre-1968, um, around the time when the golden age of Hollywood collapsed. Um, and um, uh, talk mostly about black and white movies. And we really try to bring uh, – uh, discussions of contextual uh, of a contextual nature and um, discussing the history of Hollywood and while also having no compunction whatsoever of roasting the movies themselves. Um, there's a lot of humor as well as a lot of hopefully lessons. Um, Zach was my first guest. He was one of the, I will tell you, Zach, I, now this is my, my turn to kiss your ass. He was, <laughs> um, he's a, uh, Zach was uh, wonderful to have on as the first episode because you helped set the tone that this wasn't just going to be going down the list of Hollywood facts and breaking down a plot with sincere, like, like, like over the top analytical film theory. Like I want to have fun on the shows. I want to have fun when I'm making a podcast and you helped set the tone because we talked about the black cat from 1934, which is a movie that listen to the episode for Zach, but realistically like that movie should not have been made at that time because there's a lot of <laughs> crazy shit going on in there 
Um, and uh, we're going to be having Zach back on again. I, I do want to announce that he's going to be coming back because he recommended a sci-fi movie called When Worlds Collide that I really want to talk about because I don't think I've ever seen the movie before. And I, one of the things I like doing is talk about movies I haven't seen yet because um, that area is vast. Um, and one I last thing. <laughs> yeah, and one last. <laughs> well, uh, oh, dude, like, dude, you've got a whole library of shit coming at you. I want to get you on for Lon Chaney movies because we got to talk about Lon Chaney's career. Um, but uh, and then also, I, I'm a, I am a filmmaker, and I have a short film out called Leather Brown. Um, it's not dirty like the title in, uh, in, insinuates, <laughs> so it's not a trauma movie. Um, but it's it's a relationship drama uh, that was written by my good friend Hayden Winston and stars him and Risa Scott, one of my frequent collaborators over the years. Um, it was the film we shot. Um, with safe guidelines during quarantine or not quarantine, but the, you know, when the restrictions were lifted and people were able to kind of commiserate again before everything shut down. Um, and we shot it on safe protocol and, um, and we did it in the Lloyd spirit. We want to make sure everybody's safe. And um, uh, so you can check that out on Vimeo. Um, it'll also be on my um, Instagram page, which is at real nerd Zach. Um, and yeah, look for yesteryear Ballyhoo review. That's R E V U E and real nerds. Um, and, but more importantly, look for talking trauma because this is, this, you're going to introduce me to a whole new world of movies, sir. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And, and all of you out there in podcast land, in your car, on your drive to work, uh, pull your phone out and you can follow me on, uh, at Lego Larry at Twitter or an Insta or the podcast at talk and trauma on Twitter and always stay traumatized. Hey, all you Tromites and Tromavillians. I thought I would cut in here real quick because I made a last-minute discovery. The episode was up, ready to get published, and I discovered a TV spot for Squeeze Play. While that in itself is pretty cool, um, I wouldn't have put it in the show. However, in the voiceover, Lloyd Kaufman is doing an imitation of a lady telling you how fun the movie is. So, uh... Check it out. What is a squeeze play? Fantastic. Primo. It was good. You know, next time I think I'll even bring my wife. <laughs> get a date, get a hit, and see squeeze play. It's seven innings of Animal House and Meatballs in the wildest movie of the year. Squeeze play is fun. Sun, cars, and bars. The New York Daily News calls squeeze play a saucy, spicy, rollicking comedy. Squeeze play. It's the World Series of Laughs. Coming soon, rated R.